0: Let's turn in our Bibles to Matthew, and we'll be leaving from Matthew, or starting in Matthew and moving from there. Last week, we looked at the Lord being assassinated or brought to that point of being crucified. We noticed the soldiers, their cohort, their contempt, and their course of what they did. We looked at the scene, we looked at Simon, who was summoned to bear the cross, and we concluded or went through the last half of the sermon thinking of the Lord telling us that we need to take up our cross and follow him, and we're not worthy of him unless we take up the cross, and we need to endure And there's many things we need to endure in life to be counted the faithful servants of the Lord. We come to chapter 27 and verse 34. We read, well, 33, and when they were come unto the place called Golgotha, that is to say the place of a skull, they gave him vinegar to drink mingled with gall. When he had tasted it, he would not drink, and they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots. And so this terrible, terrible crime happened at Golgotha, the place of the skull. And it is evident if you ever visit there that that's exactly what it looks like. And it's called it for its the, the, the cliff that's there, it looks like a skull. <coughs> So he came from glory to Galilee, to Gabbatha, or the Garden of Gethsemane, Gabbatha, the Judgment, to Golgotha, the Garden Tomb, and then back to glory. He came from glory and went to glory, as John 17, verse 5 tells us. Now, we come to this thought of the cup. Go back to chapter 26. We didn't cover it while we were there. Chapter 26 of Matthew. And verse 39, we read in that verse, I was looking at 29, 39, he went a little further, this is in the Garden of Gethsemane, on the mount, side of the Mount of Olives, and fell on his face and prayed, saying, O oh my Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as thou wilt. And again, (coughs) he he came to the disciples, and remember they were asleep. He went away again in verse 42, the second time, and prayed, saying, O my Father, if uh, if this cup may not pass away from me except I drink it, thy will be done. He came and found them asleep again. And then in verse 44, he left them and went away again and prayed the third time saying the same words. So three times it's mentioned where he said, let this cup pass from me or if it can't cup, this cup can't pass from me except I drink of it, thy will be done. So we see here the cup of the Lord's of our Saviour's suffering, the cup of the Saviour's suffering. Let's pray before we look at these different cups we will see in the Scripture. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that your Son drank of the dregs of that cup that was very painful. He bore our sin in His body on the cross, He took our punishment. He prayed to you that let this cup pass from me if it be possible. But if not, I will drink. And he drank to the last dregs of that cup and paid the price for our sin. Thank you that he did, that now we can be your children freely and fully forgiven of our sins. Lord bless the thought, these thoughts to us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So first cup that we notice is the cup of the Saviour's suffering at Gethsemane, the place of the oil press where he prayed, as we've noticed in 39, 42 and 44 of chapter 26. This is at Gethsemane, the place of the oil press. And there is the olive tree olive trees that they say were growing still that were growing then because they last a long time those olive trees they're all gnarled and it looks like they're dead but they live on and <clears throat> I don't know where it was in Israel we saw the old olive press and it's quite a big mechanism where they squashed the, the oil out of the olives a big weight on one end and, the, and, the, and a channel that run the oil out But this is the place of the oil press, Gethsemane. And the Lord was certainly pressed there at this place. This is the end of the last hectic week. Christ had been preparing the disciples for this event, telling them and warning them that this was going to come to pass and they didn't seem to get the seriousness of it. They wouldn't have gone to sleep if they knew what was about to happen. What is the cup of the Saviour that we look at here? What was in this cup? What did it signify? What did it mean? What did it symbolize? Well, we look first of all what it meant. Let's turn to Psalm twenty two. Psalm twenty two verses one through to six. What this cup the Lord was about to partake of, that he that he prayed to the Father would that he wouldn't have to but if he's if it be the father's will he would he would and then this is Psalm 22 and the Lord knew these verses so well <clears throat> he said in verse 1 of Psalm 22 my God my God why hast thou forsaken me why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring and in verse 6 I'm a worm and a no man a reproach of man and despised by the people this cup that he was partaking of was it meant separation he would experience a separation from his father which had never happened before for all eternity he had not been separated from his father and we know that that happened in that on that day that he was crucified why hast thou forsaken me we've mentioned this before going through matthew but just relating it to the cup of the savior's suffering to be separated from the one that he loved the one that he had ministered with for all eternity and for 4,000 years of human his- history as well, working together, that they would be separated as he bore our sins. And our fa- the father could not look upon the sin his son bore and turned his face from his son. He was made a ransom for many. He made his soul an offering for sin. He made him who knew no sin to be sin. For us. So it meant that he bare our sins. And this is found in Second Corinthians that I've just quoted, chapter five and verse twenty-one. He was made a ransom for many. He made his soul an offering for sin. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. If we turn to first Peter chapter two and verse twenty-one and through to twenty-five, that concise little portion there tells us of this this is in 1st Peter chapter 2 and verse 21 For even hereunto were ye called because Christ also suffered for us leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps who did no sin neither was any guile found in his mouth who when he was reviled reviled not again when he suffered he threatened not but committed himself to him, his Father, God the Father, that judgeth righteously, who his own self bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed. And ye were a sheep going astray, but are now returned to the shepherd and bishop of your souls. So it meant separation this cup that the saviour partook of that he wished he didn't or he prayed he wouldn't have to go through but he said not my will thy will it meant sin bearing bearing our sins he became sin for us that we might be made in his image and given his righteousness that we looked at this morning sin demands death Sin is death, spiritual death and physical death. If you take sin out of the message of salvation, there's no need for salvation or deliverance, is there? There is no need to be rescued from hanging over hell on a thin thread or a heartbeat away from eternal punishment if sin isn't in the equation. And it meant he bore our sins. And he didn't only bear our sins, he bore the sins of all people. This is why it's such a serious thing to reject the message of salvation because he bore it, he paid for it but you don't avail yourselves of it if you don't believe. And it's a very serious thing to reject the free offer, the free gift of salvation. <clears throat> it means we don't need to be pulled out of the miry pit of the clay that or, or mire that keeps us in is psalm 40 verse 1 the quicksand that holds us back from being heaven bound if there is no sin in the equation and for people who are in religious circles saying i'm not a sinner i'm okay and god must accept me as i am christ died for your sin this it is he it was his business to do that for us and to say you don't need that is just to crucify him as it were again and tr- tread underfoot the blood of the Lord Jesus. <clears throat> there was no sin in him, but the sin was, our sin was on him. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. And there is sin, isn't there? For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life through jesus christ our lord for as by, what, by one man sin. sin entered into the world romans 5:12. the bible clearly states the problem of sin is everywhere in everybody and so the lord taking this cup meant he was separated from his father it meant he bore our sins and it meant suffering also great suffering Intense suffering. And that's in Isaiah 53. And, well, let's read it again. It doesn't hurt to read the scripture again, does it? It doesn't hurt to be reminded. And to anyone listening, to be reminded. Especially if they're being told that you shouldn't read this chapter. Well, let's read it for you. In some, I mean, Isaiah 53 in verses 3. we are healed all we like sheep all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned everyone to his own way and the lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all <clears throat> he was oppressed as it reads there and he was afflicted yet he opened not his mouth he is brought as a lamb to the slaughter as a sheep before her shear is dumb he opened not his mouth and you can read on there of the suffering of the Messiah, verse ten, it pleased the Lord to bruise him, and he hath put him he hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed, which are you who are saved, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. So there we see it meant suffering, it meant intense suffering. How can you how can you you look at a person that's going through pain and you just see a physical body, but you can't feel their pain. But if you've had pain, you know that they could well have that pain, you know. It's not just in my head. It hurts. How can you weigh sin and the price of it, the cost of it? How can you weigh the sin of the world? How can you weigh the sin of Six thousand years of sin of mankind. For all of, us, all of us have sinned. Can you put it in a truck and put it over a way bridge and say it's this much weight of sin? You, you can't do that. But he bore all that sin at that time on the cross. And so it meant great suffering that we don't comprehend. If we don't see the seriousness of sin, we don't weigh it heavy. It's only a light load, but the Lord knows. Now, how many sins keeps you out of heaven for eternity? One sin. If that's the weight of sin, it's heavy. It's great because of the difference between heaven and hell. The punishment for all eternity, or the bless of heaven for all blessings of heaven for all eternity. And one sin can keep you out of there. He bore all the sins of all those that have sinned all that time in his own body on the tree. The blood of Christ is the most precious thing that ever fell onto the face of the earth because it atoned for sin. It pardoned us. So here is the cup of the Saviour's suffering. If this cup can pass from me, if not, I will bear it. Praise the Lord, he bore it. <laughs> the cup, the second cup we look at is in Psalm 116 and verses 12 and 13. And this this is related to the, the cup of the Saviour's suffering. Psalm 116, verse 12 and 13. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits to, toward me? What can I give back? I will take the cup of what? Salvation. I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. It cost him a lot to purchase that soul and precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his, of his people. <clears throat> the cup of the sinner's salvation this is, is seen here. The gospel of the new start. Salvation is described there as the cup of salvation. Verse 8 Thou hast delivered, as it reads there, Thou hast delivered my soul. What has he delivered us from? <laughs> in this life, he's delivered us from so many pitfalls that we could have fallen into of sin. So many sorrows that unsaved people go ahead and fall into and don't and don't realize they're falling into it until they're in it and can't and, and there's no way out sometimes. He has quickened us, who were dead in trespasses and sin, Ephesians two, one and two. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. He has delivered us from all our sins and will deliver us into heaven. It's as good as done. We're in heaven. We walk in heavenly places now. We have the seal of God, God, the Holy Spirit, sealed unto the day of redemption we are. And neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Acts 4.12 Thou hast delivered me. Thou hast, the Lord has delivered you. And John 2.12 But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Romans 1.16 For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. All of these verses and many more speak of the deliverance as we have partaken of the cup of salvation. The cup of salvation. Have you partaken of the cup of salvation? <laughs> Remember <clears throat> where the Lord found you, on the scrap heap of sin, discarded, wasted, wretched. I like reading the Old Testament, and he talks about, it's in Ezekiel, chapter 16, I believe, and it talks about him finding Israel, or finding Abraham, and that come that Israel came from, and he said, Thou wast in thy blood, hadn't been cleansed from birth, and I found you there, and I lifted you out of that place, and I clothed you, I helped you to grow, I gave you a land, I gave you the oracles of God, and it goes on and on, and all the blessings. And now look's what's become of you. You've become a, a whore and a harlot and you're, you're just doing everything wrong against me. And he chided on them for where they'd gone to from where, what he'd delivered. he delivered. They were going back to what he had delivered them from. Remember where the Lord found you and be thankful for the salvation you have in the Lord Jesus. 2 Peter one nine. but he that... Lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. We tend to forget; we we take it for granted, and we shouldn't do that. The cup of salvation, and <clears throat> mine ears from tears. It says in Psalm 116, the second part of verse eight, my eyes. Did I say ears? <laughs> my eyes from tears and satisfaction. If you get the right dose of salvation, the right method of salvation, by faith, as we looked at this morning, you will be satisfied. And the things of this world, as the songwriter said, will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace because you are satisfied with none other than heaven. You'll be like Enoch. You you know, you're thinking of heaven. He walked with God and was not for God, took him. And God will deliver us and we'll be satisfied and our eyes will not have the tears of the unsaved when they lose the things of this world. Who knows where everything's going to end up in the way that world is in a mess financially and everything else and politically. But the Christian is satisfied with more than this world. He got a world to come that we can be satisfied with and our eyes are delivered from tears when we lose the things down here on earth they shouldn't it shouldn't affect us with the tears the unsaved will have because that's all they have we've got far far better and much much more waiting us in eternity the things of this world grow strangely dim don't be drawn away by the things that are taken away what if everything was taken away from you (laughs) would we still be able to say i'm I'm satisfied with the Lord because of salvation I have. So <clears throat> in, back there in Psalm 116, verse 8, Delivered my soul from death, mine eyes from tears, and what's the next one? My feet from falling. That's security. My feet from falling. In John's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 28, And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My father who gave them to me is greater than all. And no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand. And someone said, what if I slip through one of his fingers? (laughs) He won't let you do that. He can't let you do that because he's made a promise to keep you and I. We have security and surety in the Lord Jesus. My feet from falling. You say, but I have fallen. <clears throat> I have had some tragedies happen, but eternally, it's not. It hasn't affected your eternal, your eternal salvation, has it? You know, what shall separate us from the love of God? Shall tribulation? Shall distress? Shall things present? Shall angels or principalities or powers, as Romans eight tells us, no, none of those. We have security and surety in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the cup of salvation. Huh. Praise God that we have it. We're satisfied, we're secure. And in verse 9 of Psalm 116, we read, I I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. And I think it's talking of service there, walking. Ephesians, Ephesians talks about the walk of the Christian. Walk under the scrutiny of God's eye as we walk to please him in his will and serve him. We've been saved to service, Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. We don't work to get saved. We work because we're saved, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And we should walk in Christian service, pleasing the Lord. And that's, I believe, what, verses 9. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. This is the cup of salvation. We have the privilege to serve the Lord. I mean... I don't know if it would be a, a privilege to serve in the king's court over there in England. People there probably count it as a privilege. I'd rather be a bit freer. <laughs> but we serve the king of kings, the lord of glory. And that is a whole different thing, is it not? <laughs> we have the privilege of service. Some people say, oh, it's the drudgery of service. no. Jesus set the example, he said, take the towel, girt yourself and wash the, wash the feet. He, he told, one of the last things he told his disciples to do was serve one another. And uh, uh, happy are ye if you do these things, he said. The cup of salvation involves service. And verse 17 of Psalm 116, <clears throat> I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving. I will call upon the name of the Lord. It means sacrifice. Presenting our bodies as living sacrifices, wholly acceptable unto God, which is a reasonable service. So this is the cup of salvation. We give sacrificially. We live sacrificially for for others and for the Lord and for his glory. The great cup of salvation, its contents. And there's not only the blessing of that, we could go on and talk about all the things after life, that involve the cup of salvation that we have. Have you partaken of the cup of salvation? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And then there is the other cup, the three that we look at tonight, the cup of the Saviour's suffering, the cup of the sinner's salvation, and thirdly, the cup of the sinner's sentence. Turn to Revelation 14, and this is very sobering. Anyone that thinks seriously about this ought to consider the cup of the sinner's sentence. Chapter 14 of the book of Revelation and verse 10. The same shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out without mixture. Into the cup of his indignation, and he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels, and the presence of the Lamb, and the smoke of their torment ascendeth up for ever, and ever, and they shall have no rest day nor night, who worship the beast, nor and his image, and whosoever receiveth the mark of his name. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that kept the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Here we speak of the they they who are sinners who will not repent in that time and even today shall drink of the wine of the wrath of God. Poured out without mixture. I know there in in Ballarat at um, that place they've got there, what is it called? Sovereign Hill. You go in a place where they pour gold, and they boil it up, and they cook the gold, and it gets real hot and runny, and then they pour it in a little little thing about that big. It's worth a lot of money that little thing, <laughs> but as they boil it, the dregs come to the top, and um, <clears throat> they make it pure. And here, this wrath is pure wrath. The world has no idea of the pure wrath of God. You say pure wrath. I mean unmixed wrath of God. And if you want to read, you can go into your concordance and you can look up the, the judgment of the Lord upon sinful people. And how horrible where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched and things like I am tormented in this flame. Give me a drop of water on my tongue. The indignation, the cup of the sinner's sentence and suffering will be poured out. It will be poured out suddenly in Revelation twenty two twelve, and behold I come quickly, my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. What he or she has done for their life believed or not believed in the work they've done shall be judged the cup will be poured out suddenly the cup will be poured out surely surely and it's mentioned in 2nd Thessalonians in the first chapter there in verses 7 and 10 First, 2nd no, Thessalonians chapter 1 and you that are troubled, in verse 7, rest with us. When the Lord shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking on vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel. Folk, you have friends that you rub shoulders with tomorrow, work friends, that are going to suffer this if they don't repent. we've got family we've all got family that have not repented and been saved you say no god is a god of love he would never do that the bible says otherwise and what is the bible it's the word of the living god who loves you and has done all he can up to you now to believe he doesn't want anyone to go there he prepared hell for the devil and his angels and not for you, or not for I, or not for anyone. But we, by our rejection of the gospel, obey not the gospel of the Lord Jesus, end up there if we don't obey. I think we ought to pray more seriously about our family and our friends and our co-workers than we have before. There's probably not a whole lot of time, even if they live a whole life, or the Lord come, as, he say, as it says in these verses, he will come. And too late, no time to change your mind. It's a dead certain fact. It's a surety that the Lord will come and the cup of the sinner's sentence will be poured out without mixture, as it says in Revelation. And it means separation. This cup of the sinner's suffering, it means separation for eternity it's not just a day or a week or a trial it's forever and that last heartbeat that last breath is where you go out and no turning back are we ready to go i pray that we are ready to meet (coughs) the lord blessed and holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection on such the second death hath no power. They shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. But the rest of the dead live not. And whosoever was, not, was, was, found, was found not written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And it's not, as some try to teach, annihilation. It's not at the end of it. It is severe. These judgments will come. In Psalm 11 and verse 6, it says, Upon the wicked he shall rain snares, fire, and brimstone, and on horrible tempters. This shall be the portion of their cup. Of their cup. That's what the Lord said, not what I said. In Psalm 75 verse 8, it reads, For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup, and the wine is red. It is full of mixture. And he poureth out of the same, but the dregs thereof, all the wicked of the earth, shall wring them out and drink them. That's Psalm 75 and verse 8. He's given ample warning over a long time, and he's waited a long time since this psalm was written to bring it to pass. And it's still the day of come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Learn of me. If we won't receive the Saviour's cup of salvation, you certainly will drink of the dregs of the sinner's cup. Come. The Spirit say what? Says, and the Spirit of the bride say, come. Let him that heareth say, come. And let him that is a thirst, come. And whosoever will let him take of the water of life freely. Revelation twenty two seventeen. There are other cups, like the symbolic cup of the Lord's Supper, drink of this cup, there's a cup of satisfaction. My cup runneth over, said the psalmist in Psalm 23 and verse 5. But there are these three that we looked at tonight. The Saviour's cup of suffering, the cup of the sinner's salvation, and the cup of the sinner's sentence. Have you partaken of the cup of salvation? Today, tonight can be the night when you say, Lord, I believe. (laughs) As we said it this morning, the Philippian jailer said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And what was the reply? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Come while you can. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the seriousness and sober reminder of the, of the cup of the Saviour's suffering, the cup of the sinner's sentence. But thank you, Lord, for the cup of salvation that everyone here tonight can drink of, the water of life freely, and be eternally secure and saved, imparted righteousness, God is satisfied with his son's sacrifice and he accepts us on that basis. Bless with salvation tonight and help us to be serious about eternity and people who go and slip out without being saved. We ask and pray in Jesus' name. Amen.